Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Believe in Lions podcast. I'm your host, as always, at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, joined by the all-pro safety, the guy who knows more or has forgotten more about the NFL than I could ever hope to know, interception leader, Lions safety, Glover Quinn. What's up, what's up, what's up? Just enjoying the day. It's beautiful up here right now. Enjoying the Lions win from Sunday and get to enjoy talking to my favorite co-host who maybe one day gets promoted to head coach even immediately. (laughs) You know what? This is so funny because I sent out a tweet today because I was just kind of thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? And I know it's probably been some other people here there, but I was like, this was all just out of left field, at least as far as I'm concerned. I hadn't oh, yeah. heard anything about any of this stuff, right? And so it just had me wondering, I wonder if Jim Ursay started a new trend. Because if you remember a couple of years ago, all the coaches were older guys, right? Just older men or whatever. And then all of a sudden the Rams hired Sean McVay, who was 32 years old at the time, to be the head coach. And everybody was like, oh, wow, he got players that are older than him, yada, yada, yada. Because I think I was probably 32 or 31 at the same time that Sean McVay got his job. So I'm like, wow, me and Sean McVay are the same exact age almost, right? And then all of a sudden you see another young guy get a head coach. Then another young guy get a head coach. And, you know, Sean McVay had success. So then you see all these young guys start getting head coaches from Matt LaFleur to Zach Taylor to uh, – uh, it's a ton of them, right? Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. Uh, uh, you got Mike McDaniel in, uh, in Miami right now. Like, So you just start seeing a wave of young guys. So it's like teams were looking for that next young coordinator that could be a star. You got Robert Sala in there. Like they looking for that next young genius, right? So then this week, Jim Irsay pulled something out of left field. This guy has zero head coaching in, in, in NFL experience, probably hardly any zero coaching experience in the NFL. But what he has is, like he said today in his press conference, or maybe been yesterday, I got 14 years of service in the NFL. I've played in many big games, including Super Bowls, championships. I've played with Hall of Famers. I know what it's like. I know what it looks like. I've I've done it. I've been pro bowler and this like I may not know all the answers but I won't back down. I want this and and like just the energy that I felt when I saw that it was just like when you're a head coach it's not always about knowing all the answers. It's about can you get guys to follow you. That's what it's about. Can I make you believe in something that you don't really believe in? 
and you have these players who've been great in organizations. They got great relationship with the organization, with the ownership and all this and this and that. They're trusted because of what they've done in this league. And you know what? I don't really know if you can be a head coach, but I know you were a great player. And if you can put that same energy and effort into being a great coach, I think you'll be successful. I don't know. We may see. I wonder if if Je- if Jeff Saturday has some success, I wonder if you'll start to see more teams that kind of just grab a player that that got some coaching capabilities that they think great leader, great player, great passion, great love for the game and give them a chance. Football is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, hockey, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. I think you might be on to something here because even before Jeff Saturday just skipped right to head coach, we've been hearing these names. Hey, these guys are the up and coming head coaches. They're assistants now, but D'Amico Ryans, he goes from linebacker coach to defensive coordinator to saying, Hey, I, I, I know I'm in the running for this head coach job, but I'm, I'm actually taking myself out of it because I want to learn a little bit more. And then you have Wes Welker, who is up and coming as a potential head coach of the future. Dan Campbell played in the NFL with so many of his coaches there. So I really think you might be onto something. And the Texans tried to do this with Josh McCown, the quarterback, and people really were not ready to accept that. That's part of why people think they went with Lovey Smith was to get someone firmly established after the rumors of trying to go too young. But if this works, could we possibly see a team offer Peyton Manning say whatever they can to sign him or Tom Brady or right. all I, these I, offensive linemen, the secondary, even Glover Quinn could right. be getting just an offer. I, I, I think that could be a way because nowadays, especially in this new age of, of kids and new age of football, you need people that can relate. You need people that, that know how to understand and help these young guys. And a lot of these young players they do not connect with these older coaches who are not up on social media. They're not up on the new lifestyle and all these different things that cause little disconnections with the player and the coach. And yeah, you got to have some rules and you got to have some regulations and this, you know, you got to have all those things. But I think some of these young players that these new generation of players know, they grew up watching. I think they have more respect probably for some of these guys as head coaches than some of these older guys that they don't even know who they are. They don't even know who these, some of these guys are. And now you're trying to coach me in football. There's new young generation of kids 
it's just not a connection there. And I think that's why you start seeing the Sean McVeighs have so much success because they come in, you know, they they have a different environment, a different swag. They let people have a good time. They, it ain't so this, it ain't so that. You know, that's one of the things. And Pete Carroll has been able to do it in Seattle, but he's an older guy, but he has a young soul. He looks like he has a lot of fun. He let the guys have a great time. And people talk about how much fun it is to play there. So I think those are a lot of things that you see. And I think a lot of these owners are going to want to start having players that play the game, know what it looks like, know what it's supposed to feel like, and can demand respect from these from their players. I think they're going to start getting more opportunities. And it sounds as though there is an ulterior motive, too, with going with Jeff Saturday. And that's the trust that Jim Ursay has in Jeff Saturday as a friend, as a colleague, as an employee, as a man. And so he knows Jeff Saturday isn't going to BS him on who's performing, who's not. And that's what it sounds as though Jim Ursay is at the point where he doesn't know what's happening in his building as an owner. And he needs to understand, hey, how did this happen? How did we fall so far? Are there people that I'm under appreciating other people that I'm over appreciating. So Jeff is going to come in there and be able to cut as an outsider, say, I've got no loyalty to these guys. I'm not protecting his, this guy just for the sake of, you know, we were buddies. So it's going to be interesting with an outsider coming in, how that revitalizes everything. And then if this does work out, what's his coaching staff going to look like next year? Is it going to be full of former players? Could be. I, I really do, because I think, like I said, <laughs> these guys that you're playing against and you're playing with, they're so talented nowadays. You know, the thing that they, they they're they so talented, but I feel like they're, they're, they're missing out on a lot of coaching at the lower level, right? I don't feel like the football coaching at the middle school levels, the high school levels are great. I mean, these guys that are coaching in middle school and high school, they're teachers. And no disrespect to them, they're doing the best that they can, but they probably don't have an upper-level education in football. So they're coaching these guys based off of what they remember from 15 years ago when they played high school football, right? And so the coaching that they're getting in middle school is not great. You know, and that is not that, like I say, these guys are doing the best that they can, but you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so then when they get to the high school level, it's it's the same thing. You know, it could be a little better, but these guys that were high school coaches, they're teachers. You know, when you go home at night, are you preparing for the football practice tomorrow or are you preparing for the history lesson? Right. Are you grading test papers or are you studying film? Right. What are you doing while you're sitting in class all day? You're not watching film. Because if you are, you're not teaching your classes. So I, I just feel like it's a huge disservice to a lot of these players. And I know in the private sector, you can have just outside coaches that, you know, can you don't have to be a part of the, you know, faculty and teach classes and all that stuff. But in the public school system here in Texas, it's not like that. Because I wouldn't have a problem coaching high school football. I just don't want to teach. I don't want to be a faculty member. I don't want to spend my time doing it. I want to spend my time pouring into these kids and trying to make them the best football players that they can be and help them get, you know, a college scholarship and be able to go on and do something with their life. I don't want to have to sit there and teach class all day. Um, and so a lot of these players are getting to the colleges and, and pros 
and they're super talented, but they're so raw because they haven't been taught how to do things the right way. And then you get some of these coaches in the NFL that they never played, and it don't mean they don't know football, but it's a lot different trying to tell somebody what they should do when you're covering the fastest man on the field as opposed to hearing it from somebody that did it, right? And and like I say, I don't have anything against coaches that never play. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the new generation of players just may connect with these guys better. Better. So I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see more of that. Him, People having, you look at the line staff, we got a lot of ex-players on the staff. I think I I think you're going to see that. I think so too and I almost kind of hope so just to keep players around the game for longer because it just makes the sport better just enjoy seeing stars of the past continue to be around so I really do hope that it works out for the Colts so that we can see just a little bit more of this because there are so many intelligent football geniuses almost that because they coached Ed Reed has talked about this in the past where I was a player, but I was in all of the coaches meetings anyway. So why am I not qualified to be a head coach? Why do I have to start out coaching high school and go to college and be a position coach? So I really hope we can see some sort of evolution of that, or even some type of coaching Academy to help these coaches get the skills, at least the, 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 behind the scenes stuff that you don't see if you've never been given that opportunity just build I mean, up these people and i and i mean and, I, and i'm gonna say and like like i said I, I i take it back to to the youth level i really do and i've said this before and 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 hope at some point this could probably catch some you know some wind or whatever but i feel like the nfl could put together a program yep. they don't have to be high schools paying former players to coach, right? It could be the NFL has a program because think about all the players that get cut every year. Think about all the guys that retire from football that they may not want to coach at the NFL level because it's a lot. They got families. They got they, they don't want to go back and coach NFL. They may not want to coach at the college level. It's a lot of traveling. It's recruiting. Like, they may not want to do that. They may want to coach at their local high school that's two miles down the street. They may want to be a part of the youth line. They may want to catch these kids in middle school and teach them that part. But they can't do it because they don't teach or they don't this and on that. Like, you got all these players. If you look at the basketball you look at baseball, you got so many former players that give lessons and and do this and and get baseball teams and coach. Like you get all these guys that do this and they and they impart all this information of wealth uh into these young kids at a young age. But in football, we don't we don't really get uh a, a, enough of that from more of the guys that play. Because if they want to get into coaching, unless they just volunteering to coach Little League, they got to go to the college level or they got to go to the pro level or they don't get paid to do it. The NFL could put together some kind of program, some kind of benefit 
to where, hey, if you want to coach at your local high school, hey, man, let's figure out a way to get you on the staff. Yeah, you may get help from some of the teachers and this and this and that. But like I say, at the end of the day, while they're in class, I'm studying. I'm preparing. I'm getting ready to teach these young men how to be better. I just need them to help. Or the NFL helps you fund the staff. Right. But I think it'll just make the game better. It'll make the players better. And the better the players are, the better the game is going to be. And you will be better if you're getting taught at an early age some of the things that you should be knowing. And you're not having to wait till you get to high school or middle, I mean, or college or even pro to learn some of these basic things. And it's just an investment in the future of the game to make kids better. And those kids ultimately ultimately become adults who are pros and they're better from day one makes the product better. So I would love to see something like that. And I would love to see Glover Quinn be able to coach and put together his own staff. So we were talking about this the other day, but if you had to build your own staff, what would you be looking for and who would you be looking for at some of the key positions, obviously offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams. But then of course, as a former DB, I can only imagine that you would be picking someone top shelf for the DB coach as well. No question. I'm, I would treat my staff just like you look at players and as, as players, everybody said, they want you to be what smart, fast, physical. I want my coaches to be the same way. I want them to be smart. I want them to be fast. I want them to be fit. I want them to be the same exact way. Why? Because we got to have smart players. And when you got smart coaches and smart players, you can do a lot of different things. When you don't have smart coaches, it's tough. When you don't have smart players, it's tough. But when you got smart coaches who understand how to do stuff, it's not afraid to push the envelope on things that can be done. Not afraid to say, hey, I trust you guys to get this done. Let's get it done. Right. But then you got to have smart players that can go out there and see situations and see formations and get those things done that we talked about in the meeting room. Right. Old linemen, you got to have physical guys that can block and understand, you know, snap counts, understand situational football. You got to have all those different things. That's how you win the game. You got to do the little things right and the big things take care of itself. Let's be on time. Let's not be late. Let's not do the things that's going to hurt us. Because if you don't hurt yourself, you're going to give yourself more of a chance to win. So that would be some of the things that I would be looking for. Definitely be looking for players that played, um, that 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 were smart players, right? Physical players, understood how to play the game, played the game the right way, guys that I respect. Um, you know, and I wouldn't have a problem finding an older coach that I, I respect to be more like a you know, an advisor or mentor to kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Be that role, but it would be, it would be a great atmosphere, but we're going to work hard. We're going to understand that when we're at work, we're working. And when it's time to go and play, we're going to have a good time, right? We're going to take care of our job and we're going to get things done that needs to be done. We're going to put in the energy. We're going to put in the effort. And when it's time to go home and be with your wife and kids or whatever, then we're going to do those things. So that, that just is how, that's how I am. That's how I would be. And, you know, if, if you couldn't commit to that as a coach, then I had to find somebody else. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are there any names from your past that you've played with that you know would be like, hey, this is the first guy I'm calling for this position? And to that same effect, you talk about an older coach. Jim Caldwell did coach both you and Jeff Saturday. So there's a little bit of precedent here with Jim Caldwell disciples going on to be head coaches now. <laughs> right. I mean, but that's the kind of player coach Caldwell was looking for. Smart, fast, physical guys. So if you get smart guys that were good players, they're going to have a better chance to be coached. Like guys that were coached, like, like Ed said, guys that were coaches on the field. I mean, like he said, like you, I was in a leadership role for six years in Detroit. Six years. Like, I felt like I was a coach <laughs> for six years, you know what I'm saying? Just all the conversations, the on the field stuff, the eat meeting room stuff, all these things. Like, no, you're not in charge as the heck, as the coach. But those guys are looking at you on the field. Who's making the calls? Who's going to do this? Who's going to make sure this? Who's Like, you're the coach on the field. And you hear that a lot from coaches, right? He's like a coach on the field. Oh man, he he's a he's like a he's like a second coach out there, right? You need those guys, and a lot of times those guys can go on and be good coaches. Um, so I don't know. You know, I've played with a lot of great players, and a lot of these guys are doing different things. You know, saying so I would have to figure out who will be interested in leaving what they're doing and coming to coach with me. Um, but I definitely would would take some time and assemble. Uh, a darn good staff. I have absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever. And it, I am really excited to see how this plans out because you've already got Carolina Panther fans saying, Hey, if the giants can do it with Jeff Saturday. Why don't we get Luke Keekley to be our head coach now? And you can only imagine that it's going to take off from there. Every team that fires a coach now is going to be thinking, Hey, well, what we, we've got this all time. Great. Why don't we call him up? Uh, and, and- I wouldn't be surprised because, like you said, Luke Keekley is a respected player from all these guys that from this generation. If he walk in there as the head coach, they're not those players are not going to look at Luke Keekley like you don't have any coaching experience, you don't know what you're talking about. No, it's going to be oh snap, hey, we got Luke Keekley as our head coach. He he, if he can put together a good enough staff, deliver his message. I think Luke Keekley will be fine as a head coach. Because as a head coach, you don't have to call a single play. Yeah, Coach Caldwell was more of like a supervisor as a head coach. He let his offensive coordinator do his job. He let the defensive coordinator do his job. I'm just going to make sure that our team is ready to go. I'm going to make sure our game plan is good. I'm going to make sure that we are operating the way we're supposed to operate. But I hired you to be this guy. Be that guy. I want to empower you to be the best that you can be at your job. You got to call a single play. You just got to make sure that everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing and we're operating at a high level. Exactly, exactly. And so now that we've kind of talked all about the coaching side of the NFL, the changes that we're looking at going forward, probably time to get into some Detroit Lions talk. I don't know if you saw, but Kirby Joseph was the defensive player of the week for the NFC. And... 
Some good news with the concussion protocol. Of course, it's a day-by-day scenario, but he was limited yesterday, so I would expect him to be limited again tomorrow or today. And tomorrow, if he's full, he's likely playing on Sunday, which is great for the Lions. On the other side, though, Rodrigo, Malcolm Rodriguez, he's dealing with an elbow injury. And Craig Reynolds, the RB3, has been sent to injured reserve. Yeah, that's tough for Craig. Um, Kirby, you know, these concussions are, are, you know, they're they're tough. You know, it's Thursday. Um, Generally, if it's not too bad, you can, you know, they'll let you play after a week. They're going to make you ride this thing all the way out to Friday. And, you know, you got to get in to see the the independent doctor to get clear. Um, But if things are trending in the right direction, he's not showing any signs, anything, it'd be good for him to get back out there, especially coming out the game that he had. But, you know, the Chicago game is going to be physical. And so if you're, you know, halfway not there, you you might want to take another week. Um, But, you know, Malcolm Rodrigo, you know, if you can get to this point in the season and you got three guys that are that are, you know, well, I guess these are key guys. It's tough, man. Injuries hit everybody. <laughs> Injuries hit everybody, man. And and hopefully those guys are good. Like I said, I hate that for Craig, but um, that's part of the game, man. It is. We just have to continue to grind through it. But all things considered, the Lions are. <sighs> Fairly healthy right now. Not too many people out of practice. Some guys limited, but a lot of guys are limited because they're sick right now. It's flu season. So it's just that time of year. Friday is really when we're ready to see, okay, who's actually healthy on this Lions team? And hopefully we're going to be at full health against the Bears. Coming off of this Packers win, but knowing you've still got a division rival coming up. What's the locker room like? You've said that everything's a little bit easier after a win, but it's still divisional week. So how does that play out? I mean, it's the Bears. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't a big week. I mean, it's divisional game, and you understand that. You understand how they're going to play. You understand it's going to be a physical game. You understand all those things. You know, Justin Fields is coming off of rushing for 170-something yards. So you know his his mojo is high right now. They've been playing close games these last few weeks, and they haven't gotten a win. And so you know that they're going to be like, okay, this is a game that we can get a win, right? We can win against the Detroit Lions. We just got to go out and play the way that we know that we can play. So you know they're going to approach it like that. And so the Lions, you got to do the same thing. Like, you got to understand that, hey, we've been, you know, playing tough games, tough game, tough game. We finally got a win. You know, we beat a Green Bay team. Um, And now this is another opportunity for us to get a second, you know, win in the division. Let's go and beat both of these guys. And, you know, the division right now is not very good. The Lions, at where they are, I mean, they beat Chicago. They'll probably be in second place in the division. If Green Bay lose next week, probably right. We're yep. two and what six. Green Bay is what three and six. Yep. We win next week. We'll be two, three and six. I mean three and uh, yeah, we'll be three we'll, and six, and they'll we'll be three, three and six. seven. All right. So I mean, we'll probably be in second place. So right there at it. So no, you're probably not going to catch the Vikings. Um, but at the end of the day, you want to still beat these teams in your division. So. I don't think it's that big of a week just because Chicago isn't very good and the Lions have been struggling as well. So I think they're excited that they got the win. They're really focusing on themselves and, you know, just trying to play better, stay, get healthy, um, 
play consistently, I don't think it's more so the big, oh, it's the Bears. The Bears, like, the Bears aren't very good. What about playing in Soldier Field? What's the buildup for that? Because it's an old stadium. It's a windy stadium. I've heard it's a cold stadium. So what is it like building up to that? And what was your experience like at Soldier Field? Um, I, I used to love it. I was I love the history of the game though. So I loved playing at these older historical stadiums. That that was cool to me. Um the Chicago Stadium is cool for the history of it, but it's not a great stadium. Um <laughs> the, the grass is awful. Yeah. Um at least back when I played. I don't know if they've changed it over the years. People but the grass is awful. All the time. Um I mean, I didn't really I mean, I wasn't a kicker and everything, but like in my years playing there, I didn't really feel like the wind was that big of a deal in the stadium. Hmm. You know, we played a couple cold games in Chicago, but I can't, you know, I remember one that was pretty cold, maybe two. But outside of that, it's just normal. I mean, I think mentally when you go to Chicago in certain times of the year, you expect it to be cold. Um, but I don't think I ever had a major snow game in Chicago. I don't think I had uh anything really like that so for me you know it's just one of those things you know it's a good game it's fun i mean we beat chicago almost every year when i played there like chicago was just let's get back on track week let's go beat the bears business as usual (laughs) for the lions i love to hear that i hope that's what ends up happening if you had to predict how this game is going to play out? Final score. What are you expecting? Um, the thing that scares me is Justin Fields. The Lions have struggled all week. I mean, all year containing mobile quarterbacks, and Justin Fields is a young mobile quarterback. So what I mean is, when he gets into the secondary, he's trying to go and score. He's not trying to go somewhere and slide and live for the next. But he's trying to go put it in the end zone. So. That worries me a little bit. I don't think anybody from Chicago's receiver core and thing, that th- those things don't really scare me. I think the line secondary they can handle those guys. I think it's really going to be Justin Fields to me, and if we can contain Justin Fields, I think we can keep those guys down, and I think the lines can score points, especially you know if we're healthy, we got guys playing. You know, I love Allen Williams, the D coordinator. In Chicago, he was my DB coach when I was in Detroit. Um, but, you know, they've had a major overhaul on defense. They got rid of Robert Quinn. They got rid of Roquan Smith. They got rid of um, uh, another guy Khalil that they got Mack. rid of. Yeah. Yeah, they just – I think I think they – defensively, they're trying to do some different things. And, and, and – I think the Lions can put a couple points up on those guys if if they're clicking on all cylinders. So I'm gonna get a Lions a 24 to uh, 14 win, something like that. Little bit off of me. I was gonna go for the big blowout, not big blowout, but 27 14 was where I had it for the Lions. Hope this comes to fruition. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we're officially halfway through the season, which. Where did the time go? It just flew by, but flying. absolutely just nonstop. But at the same time, that means the midseason awards conversation starts up. Everyone has to start. Oh, well, we're halfway through who who are getting these awards, even though there's still 
eight weeks left to play nine weeks left to play now. So interesting to see how it's trending. And a lot of them you can't argue with, especially defensive rookie of the year. Sauce Gardner is the betting favorite right now. And the papes that he's been on has just been outstanding. Yeah, he's been playing good. He's been playing good for a rookie, especially as a first round rookie. You come in, it's a lot of pressure. You're playing with the Jets. It's a lot of pressure. And I think he's handled that. He's made some plays, got a couple interceptions. You know, they're playing with some swag out there. He brings that swag to the secondary. And every, every I mean, when you got a good secondary, you gotta have guys with some swagger, guys that that wanna go out there and work at it, guys that wanna play. And I think he's doing that. So shout out to Sauce. Um you know, I think he I think that's a good choice at this point for, you know, midseason defensive player of the rookie of the year. And unfortunately, sauce minus 140 in betting odds. Aiden Hutchinson is third at plus 900. He's got a ways to go to catch up. It's not impossible, but it's going to take an incredibly strong second half of the year for the Seahawks, though. They've got two players that are currently favored to win awards. They've got Geno Smith as the comeback player of the year and Kenneth Walker as the offensive rookie of the year. Not bad. I mean, Geno's been playing great. Um, you know, he's been leading the team. They're in a good position. They're leading the West. Um, so I, 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 I Geno will probably be comeback player of the year. A, a lot of these awards are predicated around winning. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sauce Gardner, if you just look at the numbers, don't have great numbers. They got two interceptions, but he's playing with the Jets team. He got some big pass breakups. He caught a pick against this guy. He caught a pick. He caught a pick against two big guys, right? Aaron Rodgers, and he caught one against uh, Josh Allen, right? So you make big plays in big games, and your team is winning. Your chances are going to be better. Aiden Hutchinson is not playing on a six and three team right now. If he was playing on a six and three team, he has what four, five, or six sacks. I think four and a half, but that four and six a half? total, if you're going with uh, yeah, so, taking down the quarterback six times. So you go four and a half, five, right? And over the next eight games, you get another four sacks. You're a rookie and you don't capitalize on eight and a half, nine, nine, ten sacks. You're, and your team is winning and you're in the playoffs. or Like you're going to be up for a defensive rookie of the year. It's going to be very difficult when, you know, your team isn't up there. And so the Seattle, their team is up there. That's why Kenneth Walker is a candidate. He's been playing well, don't get me wrong. Um, But a lot of it has to do with them winning, and those guys are a big part of the reason why they're winning. And that's a lot of the reason that everyone has kind of assigned Micah Parsons the Defensive Player of the Year award. Everyone credits the Cooper Rush string of games, the fact that they kept winning, to the defense and to Micah Parsons. And so whether or not that's correct, he is the unanimous favorite in every article you read, the betting odds across the board. Everyone cannot stop gushing about Micah Parsons. Yeah, he's a great player. I mean, he makes a lot of plays. He plays, I mean, you look at that play he made against Detroit, right? At playing against the Detroit Lions, who at that point, I think they only had one win, right? Yeah, they just got the second win. So yeah, he had one win. So it's not like it's a huge game for the Dallas Cowboys. And you see that play he made where he rushes and then he turns around and chases a tight end and makes a tackle at the half-inch line to stop him from scoring. And then the next play ends up being a fumble. 
when you don't care about the game as much or when you don't play as hard, that's a touchdown for, for Detroit. But the effort that he put forth in a game, like I said, it gets a one-win team at that time. It shows how he, much he cares, how hard he plays regardless of the situation. And he's putting up numbers, and he's showing that, you know, he is probably the defensive player of the year at this point. At this point, and again, there's a lot of football left, so things can change. But, of course, the media just has to start talking about this stuff as soon as we get to that halfway point. Oh, got to talk about the midseason awards. And so, the final two awards, but everyone knows that MVP just means best quarterback. There's no way they're going to give any other position an MVP award unless I, history being broken isn't even enough at this point to give the MVP to a non-quarterback. So, of course, the top three are Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen. But for the Offensive Player of the Year, people are really starting to lean into Tyreek Hill because even though Tua is more favored in the MVP vote, Tyreek Hill seems to be the favorite for the Offensive Player of the Year just because MVP means best quarterback now. Right. And, and I mean, I know we have our problems with that, but that's that's kind of true. It, it, in the NFL, it's very difficult to win without a quarterback. It just is what it is. If you, I mean, you see it with Miami, right? They were 3-0 and with Tua. Tua went down. They went 0-3. Now Tua's back. They didn't want the last three or however it went, right? So it's very difficult to win without a quarterback. So the most valuable player on your team is probably the quarterback. This is what it is. I mean, yeah, that left tackle is valuable, but the quarterback. That cornerback is valuable, but you can have a great cornerback and still lose if you can't score points with the quarterback. So, I, you know, but I do like how if we can sit here and say, okay, well, the MVP is probably going to go to a quarterback – the offensive MVP is probably going to go to a receiver or a running back or somebody of that caliber. We're not going to just take the second best quarterback and say he's the offensive MVP, or we're not going to say, hey, well, if you're the league MVP, well, you, you're definitely the offensive MVP. No, you're the MVP because you're the quarterback. This guy right here is the offensive MVP. So I I, I, I like that. Hopefully, you know, they they stick to something like that. And it seems as though they're trending that way because a lot of the time Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry, are those are the players that are in the running for offensive MVP, offensive player of the year. Just, I like when people other than the quarterback gets the well-deserved credit. I'm not taking anything away from the quarterback. They are extremely important. But every story, every high-profile image of the every interview it's all the quarterbacks we got to give love to our receivers our tight ends our linemen and especially our safeties like the all pro glover quit yeah we're not going to get any consideration in uh mvp award i mean I, you can't get it with your team but you're not going to get any consideration i mean you can go out there i mean trayvon diggs had 11 interceptions last year i don't think he got a single vote for nfl mvp so you I mean you're gonna have to do I mean, you look at some of the season Aaron Donald has, some of the season J.J. Watt, those guys are not getting in league MVP. They might get defensive MVP, but they're not going to get them. So as as a, as a defender, you know, I don't even know if you're even thinking about being a league MVP. I think everybody outside of the quarterbacks are looking for either offensive MVP or defensive MVP because they know 
the league MVP is going to be a quarterback. This is what it is. It just is what it is. And we are here to tell you what is true, what isn't. Sift through the narratives that the national media puts forward. Sift through the fans' own narratives that they create while struggling through a long season. And we are here to just sort through it each and every week. Glover, such a pleasure as always getting to chat with you. Any pluggables you want to plug or any shout outs you want to give before we get out of here? Um, nah, nah. I think I say something every week. I don't really have much this week. Just, you know, I'm in the same spot doing the same things over and over and over. So stay consistent. Follow your dreams. Stay consistent. Follow your dreams. Go Dirtbags. Check out Glover Quinn on all of his social media pages. Check out our sponsors, betonline.ag. And until then, we will see you next time. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.